0: Hey, I'm Don Miro, and this is Through the Fire, a podcast about overcoming adversity, reframing misfortune, and celebrating courage. On this show, you're going to meet some really incredible people who have been through some heavy stuff, but they've come through the other side. And the hope is that you're encouraged and inspired by the words that you hear. Jeremy Dutcher, Don Miro, nice to see you, my friend. And you. I know that you're here uh, for you were just part of the the Winnipeg Folk Festival here in Winnipeg. How was your experience at the Winnipeg Folk Festival this it year? It wasn't.
1: Great. It was my first time to play the Winnipeg Folk Festival, and it's like one of these festivals that people whisper about and talk about. Oh, you gotta you gotta play that. That's a really good one. <laughs> um, but I just had never had the opportunity, and and. And I guess it's been going on for a really long time, too. This is, like, what, like, almost four, over 40, 40? over 40, maybe? That blows me? my mind, yeah. you know? And there's, like, little, like, communities that pop up in, like, a field somewhere, and, yeah. and just, like, for art and for music and for collectivity, I think it's the most beautiful thing, right? So I, I, I love playing. I haven't done it much, actually, like, playing the festivals... Um, so this summer is kind of the first time I'm doing that, right.
0: going around and feels doing... like that for all of us now. Right. <laughs> We've all been we waiting are, to get back at totally, it.
1: Totally, totally, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the uh, Winnipeg Folk Festival hadn't happened for two years, I guess, yeah. and so we're all just kind of like, it's heightening the whole thing. I, I don't think we all realized how important. I mean, we knew because we're musicians, mm-hmm. but I don't think like the collective, collective knew yeah. quite how essential the arts is and and how. We need that kind of shared experience
0: to keep us well. Mm-hmm. Like, that's
1: part of wellness.
0: Music is medicine.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I think we're all being reminded of that every time we go to a festival and come together. And it really felt that way of like, oh, this is a medicine space. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is healing space. We're coming together. People were dancing, you know. There was people shouting, I love you from the audience. No. And I was like, that feels so <laughs> good, you know. It's not... Um, not that I needed the validation, but it's just, yeah. it's nice to hear again, of to course. like, to have that relationship and then get to meet, you know, young indigenous festival goers that like, in their gookum scarves, and <laughs> it was incredible, like, um... Right after I was playing, there was um, a band called... Um, Portugal the Man? Portugal it? the Man. Yeah. Because impo- I didn't even see their show, if I'm okay. being totally honest. Yeah, yeah. What was important was the introduction. Oh, okay. That young uh Ishinabe, I, I missed it. Oh, well, it. it was so special. Oh, okay. It was so special. She came out with an eagle rattle and mm. gave some teachings and shared a song, mm. um, like a moon song. It was like... Leading into...
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. which I
1: believe, I believe Portugal the Man like requested it, or like oh. it was part of their like we want, we want to have that as part of our show, which that's I think beautiful. is like mad respect. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. that kind I of. And I take
0: notes. That's a good idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I've been trying, you know, I've been trying to do that as I go around, thinking of myself as you know, I, I, even as an indigenous person, I'm from the East Coast. Really, I'm, that's only my territory is that little small corner of the East right. Coast. Everywhere else, I'm an uninvited guest. So I try mm. to walk lightly every time I come into mm. somebody else's territory, you know, Treaty 1 here. So when we did a show, for example, at the Burt uh, with the orchestra, we had dancers kind of bless that stage before mm. we, we got on there. And that's for the people to see mm-hmm. too, right? I
0: that's think we can't, we
1: can't be hiding our ceremony anymore. You no. know, like that time is over. We got to like show it to people and, and yeah, just yeah. let them know that it's, it's, it's not theirs, but it's, it's, it's healing them. Yeah, yeah. You know? W- where, where are you from? I'm from, okay, so I'm from the east, east, yeah, close yeah. to the ocean. Yeah. So we call ourselves Wulustuweek. I'll, I'll, bra- I'll break it down like this always. So we live along the Wulustuk River. Wulustuk. Wulustuk and um, the language we speak is, since it comes from that river, we say it's Wulustukwe. So that's the language, Wulustukwe. And then since we're people of that river, we call ourselves Wulustuweek. So that's kind of how it breaks down. Mm-hmm. But it all comes back to that river, right? And so every time I talk about where I'm from, got to cool. go to the river. And then even the album that I made is all songs about that river.
0: I got it right here. Um, so this, this album, you gifted to me today. Thank you. Of um, course. This is, this is the big one. This is the one that, that kind of launched everything, <laughs> I would say, in the last... Well, it's the for sure. only one. <laughs> it's the only one. It's the only one and the one because you got the Polaris Music Prize with yeah. this album. You won a Juno with this yeah. album. Uh, pretty epic, and and not only that, like the art piece here. We, maybe we can put it in post somewhere. But yeah. I, uh, it's so much meaning behind everything you do. I feel like it, like there's not a not a moment wasted. It not a visual wasted in what you do. That's yeah. how I feel, and I think it's all Thank intentional. You. I would, I would imagine,
1: incredibly so. And I think you know, this record took from research to um, kind of building the compositions to recording it to putting together the the imagery and artwork. It was a it was a five year process, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm trying. It, it's hard because that's so anti the music, how the music business wants you to make things they like mm. there's a there's a very like okay what's your single where are, like it's always like right what's next and it's like no, no 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 let's be slow about building it let's be slow about how we release it and be really intentional mm. especially working with these songs i felt like a real protective nature right. to them because did, did this start with the language i mean it all starts with the language
0: right. yeah. <laughs> yeah fair <laughs>
1: enough um but uh in a way yeah
0: your traditional language is what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Can, you, can, you, can you speak a little bit of, of it? I'd love to just hear it, like if you wouldn't mind just course. speaking some of it. I could even just
1: introduce myself in the way that, that Yeah, that please do. About. I'd love to hear that. So I would say... <laughs> god mm. uh, well, anyway. like, uh, yeah I'm just really happy I'm just kind uh, of expressing that I that I'm, I'm really happy to be here sitting with my friend mm. uh, Don muro and uh, my name uh, I okay. introduced my name and kind of where I come from mm. um, but I love I was really turned around on this thing by a friend of mine named Gail Pruden who's a jingle dress dancer from from here in Treaty one and she speaks Cree. that's her first language and When we met each other the last time, she kind of just started speaking to me in Cree, Hmm. you know, and didn't didn't like would translate sometimes, but didn't like just kept speaking to me in a way of like, you'll understand, Hmm. and it was like a profound moment of like, oh right, because when even when you go back into the linguistic um, tree of like, we're all related, like. Hmm. Cree is like Nishinaabe, Moen is like you know, Algonquin languages is like our languages. You know, Eastern Cree is so connected to like how we speak. Hmm. So it's like, it's just, it, it it amazes me and it enlivens me. So to go back to where this all started, it, it, it came from what we don't have. I looked around and I saw a lack.
0: I think you said there was a hundred people that maybe spoke the language. Exactly, at the time. right.
1: And so there's a real, we're at a critical point right now. It had always been since I was young, it, it had been imposed onto us that like it's critical. Like this is the generation. Like we're we've been labeled a severely endangered language. You know, we're on the deathbed. So mm-hmm. like we we have to do everything we can to revive it and, and keep it keep it there for the ones. Because we know that like within these languages exists because language language is not words. A language is a worldview. It's a philosophy. It's a way of expressing thought, right? And so to keep our distinct way of doing that, one that is rooted in this land, like that actually comes from here, Mm -hmm. you know, I think was was always impressed on me as a young person. And so there was kind of this wonderment every time I heard my language. And it didn't happen much because we were mostly English at home. But like when my grandma would speak to my mother... Or the aunties would talk. It'd be I would just you just try to pick up anything, mm. and you know it was that kind of wonderment became that that came before I even understood the the, the wider picture mm. of like why you know our language didn't get up and walk away. So mm. and then when that came clear, it was like that's right. it. And then understanding that that's not because the the thing is. When the media talks about the schools, they're always showing
0: residential these, schools.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. These black, and day schools and all of it—the whole fucking system. Sorry, okay. <laughs> I that up. They're always showing like black and white photos from the 20s, which is such a—it's such a rhetorical trick. I hit color it's, TV it's,
0: when this was all happening. Yeah. You
1: know, it, it's my mom.
0: Yeah. So it's like
1: it's in—it's in our stories. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's like here today, and the intergenerational effects of that are plain to see. And I'm always like if we could just as a society only understand that we then could contextualize downtown winnipeg right. you know what i'm saying
0: so when we you know the show obviously being called through the fire yeah. you know we talked a little bit about sort of the fire that you feel like you're in as you're pursuing this like you're you've been called an ambassador of you know mm-hmm. re- reinvigorating the language you know and bringing bringing it to attention
1: yeah it, for me it's about I'm really just standing on the shoulders and and, and being guided right mm. by those those people in my life that have been doing that work already. So right. I don't feel like I'm like picking up some kind of like mantle. And yet there's a sense of responsibility because yeah. as a young person that had access to language and cultural teachings from a young age, not a lot of our people had that. Especially on the East Coast, we have a lot of disconnected people. Mm. So I think trying to just relay my experience and try to share as much language as I can you know that's why I put that that record all in our language there's no English on that record and that was for a very mm. particular reason because it was about angling the um, who it's for right and so mm. I would come back we have this um, traditional song and the lyrics are so all my people this is for you mm. And I always tried to orient everything I was doing with that record. Who's it for? Who's it for? Who's it for? Mm. And at the end of the day, it was like, I just wanted to create a world or like even even for 60 minutes of a record, I wanted to create a world where our music and our language was elevated to the heights of the classical greats like Beethoven or mm. you know like Bach and there's just like if we could value ourselves just as much as they value themselves wow we would change the world mm. right and and so going into that archival space and getting to see the breaths and like just beauty of who our ancestors were and what mm-hmm. they, the, the the seeds that they were planting for us, and that's why I try to think about it as a spotlight, cause it's like just taking that and or maybe not even a spotlight, but a mirror, mm. kind of taking that and just reflecting it back into community mm-hmm. and just saying like this is how beautiful you are. You
0: when, you, know? when you talk about the archives, yeah. you were working at the archives. Totally. Building, where were you working?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll tell you all about it. So um, so the archival building, uh, it used to be called the Museum of Civilization. okay And Stephen Harper, he changed the name to the Canadian Museum of History. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that is in Gatineau, um, in Quebec, just across from, from okay. Ottawa. And you were working there? I was. Well, okay. not working there technically. Like I was... Uh, so what it was... You were an imposter um, there, yes. <laughs>
0: I was, yeah, like a man on the inside. Um. Hold on just a minute, Jeremy. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back to this story.
2: Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Cundell, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at
0: soundoff.network.
2: Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.
0: Okay, here we are back now with Jeremy
1: Dutcher. So when I was in school studying music, in a classical music setting, I got really lonely for home. And also kind of tired of just, like, singing music from, you know, dead German men, you know? (laughs) yeah. And I was like, her songs are so beautiful. What if I just, like, sat at the piano and kind of sang some of those and just see what happened, you know? I really, like, I did that a couple times and showed a couple friends. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool, man. You should keep doing that. Hmm. And um, so that really encouraged me um, in that way. And then I started, because I... I wanted to, like, study our music... Because I was at in an academic setting, you know, at a university. I wanted to study our music, you know. Because mm-hmm. there's all of these musicologists and, like, people that study music from everywhere. But very few of them are from the communities that they study. So I was like, what could... Mm-hmm. You know, what could we bring to the study of our own music? So I started to dig into, like, the the musical landscape of the, just the East Coast. Just looking at, like, Ulusdui, uh, the Mi'kmaq and the, the is down in, down in Maine. Mm. Um, so looking at our music on the East and, and what that entailed, I started to go around and interview, um, like do some fieldwork and interview song carriers, you know, all up mm. and down the coast, it was amazing. Um, and just through those conversations, there was one particular conversation that changed my life. I think mean, they were all kind of life-changing in a way, but there was one uh, with a Passamaquoddy elder, Maggie Paul, and maggie's voice is actually on that album there's there's a snip from that interview that we did like this was almost eight years ago now Mm. but you know um just kind of asking her how music had changed in the community throughout her life you know when she was born singing our songs was illegal yeah like let's 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 let that sink in Mm. so she's seen this transformation where now we're on stages at the junos and um polaris or whatever like Mm -hmm. these big these big stages that we get to inhabit right now and share our language or share philosophies and all that kind of stuff it's for her unbelievable Mm. anyway so so through that conversation she really kind of shook me and inspired me and she says you know if you want to know about the old songs you can't even stick around here you got to go to the you got to go to the archive and so she told Mm -hmm. me that like You know, in over 100 years ago, this man, he he came among our people for seven years. He lived up all up and down Molustuk River. And he brought this phonograph machine with the wax cylinders. And he collected 100 of our traditional songs on wax. That's um, incredible. And then put them in the museum. And you found them. Well, I didn't. Here's the thing. I was pointed to them by my elder Maggie because she had been doing that. She had done that work in the 70s. Uh, She had heard about it somehow. She wanted to know about it. And this is kind of American Indian movement, revival, Mm -hmm. you know. We were getting, like, proud about ourselves (laughs) again, you know. And um, anyway, so, like, she had done that work with just one song, you know. And she was like, you got to go and you got to bring all that out for the people. I sat down with that archive. I, it was on the, these reel-to-reel tapes, you know, Because like, mm-hmm. they had transferred it from the wax. Cause right. The wax is, it's its amazing technology, and, and, and it's...
0: I don't even know what that means, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a wax player at home. Well, no, 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 very few people <laughs> do.
1: I don't even have a wax player at home, although I do have a couple of cylinders now, okay. which is, I have no way to listen to them, but I do have the. Right. So it's like proto, it's like uh, before they had records, You know how records is kind of that like wax. It was vinyl, but it's like kind of waxy and it's flat and it etches onto the onto the vinyl the Mm -hmm. sound waves, and then the the needle is reading back those sound waves. So same technology with the wax, right? Okay. So it it etches into the wax the sound wave, and then when you play it back, you can you can hear. You know, there's a lot of static, and it's Mm -hmm. not a clear recording, but you can. It's the very first recorded sound comes from these mm. technologies, so it's really incredible to get to. It's such a window into the past. You know, these are Big all time. coming from like over a hundred years ago. So, and it's cool because they sing the songs, but they're also they contextualize the songs too. They tell a story of the songs, and then they're like laughing and dancing and telling jokes and stuff. You kind of because you can't see any of it. It's just all audio, but you can kind of get a picture of what that was like in your head, mm. and then. And then when they brought out the photos too, right? Because he wasn't just recording sound; he was doing right. like a whole anthropological study on Wulustuik. So he sat there and you know was taking photographs and was was making notes, was learning our. He even tried to learn our language, you know. So I was like, mm-hmm. for me as like a it was so interesting to go through this like. European lens of learning our language when I had been doing Mm. it another way my whole life and seeing how he was, like, not quite getting it, you know? And there are certain sounds that just too like, that mouth just don't make sense. Right, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, it was a real special experience in the archive, and it really set me on a path to... As soon as I got to witness all the, like, vast beauty in there, I was like, people got... Like, Mm. our young people got to know about this. Mm. And the thing, too, is, like... Another thing that came home to me in doing that work was, like, it's not just us. Like, I come from a very, very tiny nation on the East Coast, you know? They have material culture. And this is, like, drums. This is canoes. This is, like, artifact. It's, like, everything from nation to nation to nation to nation, coast to coast to coast. So it's a... This album is kind of a call to, like, for us to all question that. You know because you mm. and when i go to our language i think about how a drum is something animate like when we talk about it it has life and so mm. the fact that those have been kind of behind bars like in an archive safe mm-hmm. but like incarcerated uh what does that mean you know and also when we reflect on like the incarceration rates of our of our brothers and sisters
0: in this country it's like it's all connected mm. you know we need them not to be ignorant of the facts and, yeah. and, and the history and understanding right. what, and, where it all comes together. Well, and I
1: think a lot of people view a museum or like an archive as a neutral space, mm. right? And they're not neutral spaces.
0: You mm. know, it's interesting. They
1: create barriers in, in, in accessing, and they're, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that they exist you know mm. in one in one portion you know because i got to make i got to go and listen to all this history and create a piece of art based on that and you know when you listen to the record you can hear those ancestors i included them right in the music
0: yeah it's beautiful yeah thank beautiful you thing. but it
1: was very important to me to interject them and be in conversation with them mm. you know but it also brings up interesting questions around intellectual property cuz the museum was like well those are technically belong to us and i was like technically yeah technically Technically, they don't yeah um very well yeah and and, and, so it brings up a lot of interesting questions around that Mm.
2: yeah
1: (laughs) um but i I always have the fundamental belief of like ask for forgiveness not for permission these are our songs they may have been shared with a man at one point who then gave them to you as a museum and you hold those cylinders in your hands but we hold the but songs. But
0: what's the content on them? And yeah. we hold
1: the songs in our hearts, right? Yeah. And we remember those songs, mm. right? And so now, because I did that work and, and brought them out, just a couple of them, you know, like I said, there's over 100, mm. you know? And these are just 11 on that record. Yeah, yeah. So trying all the time to, like, every time I get to go home, it's, like, such a, a visceral sense of exchange, mm. of getting to actually go and sing those songs for people again. And then there's been cool moments... Uh, especially touring the east of like people come out and be like i know that one like my mm-hmm. grandma used to sing
0: that to me wow. and it's like, that's a cool thing yeah, yeah that feels
1: like whoa you know you get to mm-hmm. reconnect people back with their like with their relatives you know in those songs and even when i get to play some of those recordings somebody one time somebody came i was like that's my great great grandfather on that recording that you're playing what i get to hear mm-hmm. his voice you know that's a gift you gave me and i was like yeah. well you know I just there's a lot of those experiences around this work and I'm just feeling like you and your
0: mom are doing something together (laughs) right? you and your mom I read about this somewhere too well she's she's
1: always been I always speak her name when I when I talk about this work because she's like she's a warrior woman she's like a survivor and she's taking a lot of that pain from those schools and trying to create space for linguistic revival or just We're in a cool moment right now, as Indigenous people, we're institution building in a way that we haven't, like, we weren't able to before. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, like, herself, you know, going into those school spaces and and being reprimanded for speaking her language, the only language she knew as a six-year-old child, we're trying to totally flip that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And so create our own institutions. Mm-hmm. And so this is a critical thing. You know, there's going to be people to bring our language into those, you know, into those um, kind of provincial school systems and stuff. Right. We're kind of trying to do it a different way. Create um, your own. Yeah, well, because we have the fundamental belief that because the language comes from the land, you have to learn the language in relationship with the land. And so indigenous languages, in in, in our estimation, need to be learned in a different way than, a, say, French or German or mm-hmm. any of those like kind of European languages. Um, a classroom is, 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 is fine, but if we really want to go deep and really have a deep understanding of place and space and, and how our language is connected mm-hmm. to that, we need to be... On the land, oh, and wow. so it's kind of like a—it's a land-based immersion program, mm. for like the, tactile, yeah, and, yeah, totally. And so it's just like they have this beautiful spot in Fredericton, New Brunswick, right mm. on the, uh, this lake. Um, it's going to be—we're mostly focused on like um, mm. like young young kids right now. Yeah. But my my hope is that if our adults, like the parents of those kids, can humble themselves enough to realize the importance of our language, mm. then we could we could teach two generations at once right now. Mm because most of the people my age don't have access to language and from in my estimation it's just about access to resource you know access to media you know being able to turn mm-hmm. on our radio and hear Willistuk music mm-hmm. that never happened you know and it's happening now mm-hmm. you know to be able to go into a library and have a Stuk language set, that never happened it's happening now mm-hmm. so there's all of these movements that are that are kind of localized, and yet because I'm kind of out there sharing music and going around the country and the world, you get to see all those um, kind of shards of light everywhere. Mm-hmm. And like that, like all that work is happening right now. I don't think people really realize how far-reaching that is. Like there's a there's an indigenous language revolution happening right now. Like people that had no interest in learning language before, its they've been set on fire. Kind of mm. my mom's the same way, because she has so much trauma around the language. I think she was, she, and she talks about it too. She's like, because I stopped speaking when I was six, when I was then like a teenager in my 20s trying to speak and even teaching you guys, trying to teach you guys stuff, I spoke like a six-year-old. You know, right? That's where it ended. Exactly, the Mm. footsteps were stopped. The learning journey was stopped, and so there was like, there was this whole self conscious thing around like, uh, I don't even feel like I can teach it Mm. because I, I don't have it. Like I think like a child. It's like, mom, that's all. That's all you were. That's all you had. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was like. Too, because it was coming from the schools and the church, but it was also from home too, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. That's something that I think as Indigenous people we need to look in the mirror about too, because that older generation, there, they were like a lot of them were, assim- and because they had been forced to, but they were assimilationists. They said, "There's nothing in your language for you. Don't practice your culture. Don't mm-hmm. do that." And they were just they they were wrong. You know, it yeah, was contextual, wrong. but they were wrong. Yeah. You know, and I think we need to remember that and um, forgive them for that. Mm. Two, I, I want to touch sorry. on that for a second. No, <laughs>
0: it's really great because there's something in that when you said you forgive them for that, which is not a lot of people's psyche. A lot, not a lot of people think that way. You said something, uh, and I think it was in, after you'd won the Juno, and you had the Arkells got you up to to, <laughs> to do the this, this speech, and, and when they you got cut off, I got cut like, off. The audacity! I know. I got to talk to someone at that Juno. and then and then and then you it, backstage, you said. What we need now, and I'm going to paraphrase here and mess it up, but you said something along the lines of reconciliation through and a, a beauty. It was with was the phrase you used, mm. like, like 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 slamming tables, getting mad, waving flags. That's one thing. And and I've often thought, well, that's not me. I'm not the type of person that's going to do that. And I, I remember mentioning this to a friend of mine one day. He's like, how do you? How, he, you know, he, this person that I'm, I'm speaking of, mm. my friend Alan. I said, how do you always stay so calm and even keel? And it seems like nothing phases you. you don't get shaken. And and you know we're not, we're not we're not slamming tables and demanding change. And he says, Don, don't forget we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Those people that went before us that's that slammed the tables that kicked real. open doors so that we could have a space to talk like this. Yeah. And it's like, oh right, we can't forget that because it. it's. It, but when you said that, it really resonated with me because I thought, yeah, that's that's my whole mo. That's kind of somewhat part of the purpose of this is mm. you know not every conversation is going to be indigenous conversations, but I think you know. I'm an indigenous person, so there there's always been an indigenous root to it all. That's it. Um, but the thing I keep thinking about is it's it's the, through beauty and love and care and kindness. Yeah. I think that's gonna that's what builds the bridges. Yeah. Right. As, and as opposed to tearing them down.
1: Well, and that's that's our medicine. As as I yeah I a lot of thoughts on this. Indigenous people, uh, when we look at our philosophies, love is like a really really fundamental part of what we're here to offer to humanity. Mm yeah you know every every people has gifts you know mm-hmm. in the human story and i think one of our gifts is that love runs through a lot of our ceremonies and what we do mm-hmm. and so i think we need to remember that because sometimes like because a lot of us have been so traumatized by colonization by the experiences of, of those who went before, those who had to do that, because there was no other way that people would listen, right? So now we get to come in and we get to be all eloquent and easy and beautiful and kind and, and but now this is this is the true expression of who we are as indigenous people. It's not banging the door down because we've been traumatized right. and shut out. The door is off. Mm. We're walking in and it's because right. people like Buffy. It's because people, people kicked it open. Yeah. You know, that's it, right? You know? yeah, yeah. So I'm always like, I try to be always aware of that. And then also understanding that we are showing something for the nether ones too, for the mm. ones coming up. Yes. Because our being visible and being on a stage and talking about, um, you have a song, um, and I may get the name of it wrong, but I'll just talk about the concept because it stuck with me. Okay. Something about church Redefining what that means oh, and yeah, being out in, is it yeah, called yeah, it's, okay. it's
0: basically yeah, like, kind of like church being the great outdoors, and, yeah. in nature and kind of immersed in that and sort of you know feet on the ground and feeling connected to something greater than ourselves.
1: Share I mean, that's that's deep indigenous philosophy mm-hmm. that you're sharing with the people, you mm. know, and 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 the fact that like our young people are going to hear that mm. and it's going to go, in because song also reaches into people in a way that that prose or or that that political philosophy can't do yeah right um i don't know it's kind of the 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 mysterious alchemy of 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 sound and Mm, music yeah um it's why you know it's why those the shamans of the old time were the song carriers too Mm -hmm. those are so often connected because Mm. there's a medicine there's a a medicine in music and there's that like um we we transcend this plane when song is present and Mm. um I love that. We miss it, we, and of course, we just missed it. We, we we went through this time where it was like musicians were like dubbed yeah. unessential, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it's like, oh, okay, right. Um, and I think now we're seeing this like reemergence of yeah. of of the essential, and 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 we're all kind of understanding that like the music is the medicine, and we need to be healing right now because mm. you know when when we heal, this place is going to heal too. Because when we're healed, we're not going to be extractive right. in our in our relationship to land, hmm. or our relationship with each other, right? right? Like it's going to be, no be you know. Good way to live. Mm.
0: (laughs) I want to. I want to switch gears on you for just a second. We got a few minutes left. Yeah. Sorry. No. 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 No need to apologize whatsoever. Um, You know when I know uh, this is another side of the conversation to be had because I feel like it's an important one, and we talked about sort of normalizing the conversation. You know, we talk about pronouns. Yeah. And and this part of the, the the context of human civilization now more than ever, and I know you prefer the pronouns they them i've also understood that you're okay with he are you kind of because I mean, when you walked in i remember i said good to see your brother and then i thought oh, also oh should i have said can brother? we do that yeah, <laughs> yeah so and i and i want to address it with because for me yeah, i'm always wanting to learn, i always want to learn yeah as best i can to to approach people the way that they want to be represented that's it you know? um,
1: like, i mean i think that just speaks to you you as a human and and also your teachings too like humility mm-hmm. is another one of those teachings mm-hmm. that's like very important to understand that like Mm. Me as a you know as cis man, I don't know. I don't know what that mm. gender journey is for for those people. So mm. so let's bow our head and ask. And so I'm just mm. I, I just want to reflect appreciation that you even mm. had had the chance to ask that. Um, it's funny because I you know, wow. There's so much to this conversation mm. that I want to hold. Let's in get a, it in three minutes in let's, a real delicate let's, way. Let's you solve know? the problems <laughs> for everybody in three minutes. So. <laughs> you know and. and, and I'll, I'll take it all the way back. So I grew up in a family of boys. I'm the youngest of three. Uh, I was youngest of four brothers. Okay. And um, you know, um, gendered as a boy. You know, mm-hmm. I had really short hair, and you know, I was a, I was a little strange, artistic kid, but but definitely a boy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it wasn't until, well, I came out very young too as gay, because mm-hmm. I was the le- we just use the language that we have right. at the time that we're using it mm-hmm. until we're offered better language or language that described things a little more clearly. Yeah. Right. And so so when I was 12 years old, I knew about gays and lesbians. And so I was a gay, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, OK, that fits for now. And then it wasn't until I started to meet people that identified as two spirit mm. that I was like, oh, that's something a little different. Like, mm-hmm. they're like me in a couple ways. You know, there's this, like, mm-hmm. intersection of identity that, that's me too. But I was re- really hesitant, too, because I wasn't raised in that way.
0: And I also want for the people that are watching this totally. to be, or yeah. are listening to this, that, that this it's normal to have these conversations. Right. And it's okay to have these conversations. And it's just
1: about respect. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's like, if we can ask, if we can try to ask our questions mm-hmm. in a respectful way, that mm-hmm. person is going to meet you with respect. Yeah. You know, like... Nine point nine times out of ten, yeah, you know. So just, just, and, and humility. You know, if you're coming in being like, mm. you know, I just don't know. I, 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 feel like I may have stepped in it there. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I did. Like I just, right. I don't really know how to, how to properly address it. I think, a lot of people within, you know, the, <laughs> I, I call this the rainbow, the rainbow children. Mm. You know, <laughs> um, a lot of us um, understand that this, this is there's been a big shift. Mm. Societally, just within the last, you know, 20, 10 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's new for a lot of people, mm. you know. I have to have compassion for, like, you know, our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation that just don't, mm. they have no reference point for what, you know, a non-binary person is or, like, mm. you know, these are all really new conversations. Yeah, right. And I, so I think it, it helps when we just have humility and ask the questions in a generous way. Mm. as you have. Um, And I think that's often met with generosity and just with like, here's my experience, you know? Mm. Here's my experience of like being really gendered as a boy, as a kid, playing sports, doing all that stuff, and then being introduced to people that were kind of middle people, kind of in between, and had been raised in that way. Not Mm. in shame, not in like, not in you know Christian dogma of like, this is bad and you are wrong, Mm. but like raised by their grandmas that knew the old ways, Mm. that said, there's always been a place for you. Our communities, mm. we didn't have the we didn't have the privilege of excluding anyone. Mm. Everyone was essential, right? And everyone had a gift, and they were bringing something to the community. And I think, especially among our like indigenous brothers and sisters, there's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen that came through those religious institutions. Mm. And I don't. I think from, from our side as the rainbow children, we just have to be um, forgiving in that healing because sometimes that healing can look really messy mm-hmm. and like exclusionary and like um, hard. Mm. And, and so I just think it's like, you know, kind of two hands extending towards each other um, that are gonna get there, but like mm-hmm. aren't quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that the distance between them can feel really big. You know, and like, mm. like, for example, like, I didn't even know how to ask the question, <laughs> but it's like, whew, I wish we could all just like take a breath before yeah. that kind of stuff together and just realize that, you know, we're all telling stories. Mm. Your story is not my story. Yeah. Um, but there's a little piece of you in my story. Mm. You know, we yeah. just
0: got to figure out what that is. I feel like we could do this all day. I do, too. Honestly, but we should probably stop with that. I am so grateful for you and yeah. for for spending some time with me and, yeah. uh, and sharing a, a fraction of your story. I feel like there's there's so much more we can cover, but I am we'll grateful for you, and I look forward to doing this again down the road.
1: Hey, we'll do it again for sure. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Tom. Jeremy. Yeah.
0: As I always say, it takes a village to run things here at Through the Fire, and I want to thank my village, executive producer Sarah Burke, administrators Lori Brown and Alan Gray-Eyes. Video and audio design by Chris Godrie and his team at 44 Films, Feisty Creative for their design work, social media support by Johnson Design Company, and last but far from least, I want to thank our technical producers, Matt Kundel and Evan Serminski from the Sound Off Media Company. I look forward to sharing more great conversations just like this one on the next Through the Fire. You see the light.
2: Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundall, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free.